Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Whoa, huh, huh. Good <laughs> yeah, what is, is it good for? Absolutely nothing. It's not the first time we've used this song. We have it? We I have? feel like we've done it before. It always makes me think of Rush Hour, which is kind of like it shouldn't, uh, but it just does. It was in the trailer, right? It was in the movie. I don't remember. Yeah, it was definitely in the movie. They're doing in... a Rush Hour TV show. They are? Yeah. Does it have Jackie Chan? No. Are you Does it have me? Chris Tucker? No. Then why? Because Brett Ratner is... Is Brett Ratner it's involved? on CBS. It's a reimagining of the hit feature film franchise. It's a buddy cop drama about a maverick LAPD detective and a by-the-book detective from Hong Kong. Well, it sounds like the movie. Sounds like the, the movie. The first movie was very funny. After that, it really The wasn't. series premiere was actually four days ago. Oh, so it's already... How do I not... Oh, wait, never mind. No, no, no. It's on March 31st. The trailer for the series okay. premiere... I was yeah. like, we work in this business. I should know when a TV show comes out. Yeah, well, we should know when Rush Hour, one of my favorite movies of all time, comes out with the crappy version that is on TV. I don't know. It looks like it's action-packed. One of the best parts about Rush Hour was the huge stunts that they did. Yeah. Um, and it looks like they do some cool stuff in the show, at least, like a helicopter crashes and some TV stuff. stunts and effects just never no. – they can't. They can't like they compare can't to movies. It. They just don't have the time. Yeah. to do it either so you can't spend an entire day setting up like two shots yeah exactly like you can on a movie so uh yeah it's probably gonna suck whatever, whatever. anyway <laughs> how's anyway. it how yeah it's uh, uh you guys are listening to the command zone i'm jimmy wong it's josh lee Kwai. i'm a little sick so it's gonna be a short episode today folks but he's still here he's That's powering right. through it powering he's been like it. in bed basically for like a couple of days now yeah, I've contributed literally nothing to the world for a couple of days. It's been pretty awful. Well, that's because uh, you're contagious, so you don't want to contribute only uh, germs oh, right. to the world or viruses or whatever that would be it is. Awful. Yeah. So thank you from from on behalf of the world. Thank you. On behalf of me, just sweating it out in bed every night. I hate it. Um, that sounds horrible. Well, we also have a little bit of a snafu because we thought that tonight oh, yeah. <laughs> we were going to have a special guest, uh, the Reverend in Fuego. In person. In person, because he's going to... Well, we thought he was in L.A. to uh, shoot the Wheel of Fortune. He's on the Wheel of Fortune. Uh, or he's on Wheel of Fortune, sorry. And after that, he was going to come on and be on our show. And today, I, I, I texted him. I was like, we're still on for tonight, right? And he's like, no, dude, I'm not in town until next week. 
So, whoops. Yeah, whoops. We thought we were going to have Rev. Rev is actually going to be next week. Um, yeah, we're going to have to wait seven new days instead of seven new cards for him. Seven for new days. Because of the Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> we're not talking about the card. Uh, he actually is going to be a guest on the show, which is really exciting. I guess you can apply and they can accept you. And then this happened, I don't know if uh, he found out like five, six months ago. I don't know. I remember him tweeting about it. it I mean, must be pretty exciting. I'm uh, rooting. Exciting. I'm assuming. That he's going to win a car. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, you know about this. Have we, have we talked about this on the show? Uh, we may have mentioned it once or twice, but I don't know if we've talked about it. Go ahead, tell it. the story, because it's pretty uh, awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'll tell it more in depth when The Rev comes on, because it'll be fun to talk about the idea of game shows in general. But I was on The Price is Right back in March of two years ago now? Yeah, two years ago yeah. now. And uh, I went with two of my best buds from college and my girlfriend at the time. And then we got I got called onto the stage, like second name, as soon as the show started, and then I got all the way up to the Showcase Showdown, and spoiler alert, I won the Showcase Showdown uh, as a pure luck sack. So I won like a car. So you. Yeah, no, oh, uh, sorry. I stepped on it. You won a what? A car, a jet <laughs> ski, and like a, a houseboat vacation to this lake by Las Vegas. Uh, turns out it also throws your tax bracket into disarray. Yes, it does. Uh, so I had a fun year that year, thanks to that. Not fun. Um, but it was a lot of fun to be on a game show for once and like to be on The Price is Right, a show I watched all the time growing up. was very exciting. You are the luckiest person I know because only you of all the people I know would go to Price is Right, get called on stage then, not just that, actually win. Like the, win yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, pretty awesome. I'm assuming that's going to happen for Rev also. I hope so. Well, he's definitely going to be on stage, yeah. right? He's a, he's a guaranteed contestant. He's going to get to spin the wheel. Which... And, like, uh, presumably guess at the at whatever the phrase or whatever is. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Spinning so, the wheel has to be one of those, like, lifetime bucket list goals, even if you just go and do it for fun and not on the show. Yeah. I it mean, I even so like fun. doing it just in Vegas at the slot machine, so it must yeah. be really awesome if you're actually, you know, Yeah, and that thing's person. huge. That thing's, yeah. like, a, the size of a, I don't know. It's like 10 feet wide. So make sure to turn, tune in next week where we actually do have Rev on the show. He'll talk about that. And also, he's a big EDH player. Yeah. Um, so the topic we're going to cover today is something we don't do very often. And we sort of thought of it because I know, when I listen to other podcasts, they'll do this type of thing. We don't tell a lot of stories from our actual gameplay. And so we thought it would be fun to tell some, quote unquote, tall tales some EDH stories just of things that we have come across either that we've done ourselves or we've seen other players pull off. Not necessarily that are even game winning. Yeah. Um, but just some stories. So this will be a quick one. Again, Jimmy's a little bit sick and we've got more meat when Rev comes on next week. So, uh, but In first the meantime, Yeah, we have some exciting news. Uh, episode 100 is coming up. A lot of you guys have sent us fun ideas for it. And a couple of you hit the nail on the head on what we sort of plan on doing, which is... A live show. A live stream. Yeah. So we're saying live stream because we're going to stream the show, but we're also going to release it like a regular episode. But this is going to be an awesome opportunity for you guys to tune in and see Josh and myself, our faces, and we'll have a show and we'll talk to the people in chat. We'll answer questions and we'll find some cool, fun stuff to do that's live and that involves a camera that we normally would not be able to do. Yeah, we're not exactly sure 100% everything that's going to go on within the live show, but you will be able to tune in. There will be some some cool stuff that we don't normally do. Um, but again, if you if you can't tune into the live stream, then it will be released as a podcast episode. Now, that episode may be a little bit weird compared to our normal content. Yeah. Uh, we think it'll be a lot of fun. Right now, 
the date so you can mark it on your calendar because we would love for you to tune in when we're doing it. It looks like we're going to be recording the live stream on March 12th, which is a Saturday. Yep, and we're not sure what time yet. Uh, we're on the West Coast in the U.S., so obviously we want to do a time that works best for everyone because we know we have a lot of international listeners as well. So we'll figure out something that works best for you guys. If you guys have uh, a recommendation for uh, a time that is just universally good across the continent, like it's 5 p.m. somewhere at this time, you know, I don't know, just let us know. Tweet at us. Yeah, tweet and let us know uh, if you're going to tune in and what times would be good. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have another kind of cool thing that happens. Well, actually, okay, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's that's a, a weird way to put it. There's actually a crappy thing that happens, but a cool response. So we got an email last week from the fiance of one of our listeners. Now, her name is Sarah Solman, and she emailed us and said that her uh, the couple's apartment was robbed. And all of her fiance's magic cards were stolen. Dang. That yeah. sucks. It's the worst. In fact, I've had this happen to me. Yeah. Um, Not all of your magic cards were stolen, though. But a lot. A lot, yeah. Yeah, my binders were stolen specifically. I think that the thieves, when they broke into my house, they found some cash. They took an iPad, some other stuff. Um, and I have that mountain of sealed product, which was not that big at that, this time. It was a couple years ago. The volcano was still growing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did that because you're from Hawaii, <laughs> or you lived in Hawaii, close enough. Um, and so, but they did grab some binders, which had like dual lands, and you know, there's quite a bit of stuff in there. And it was, it's the worst feeling. Like getting Ugh. getting your card stolen is is a very bad feeling. It's such so a violation. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. Um, so Sarah emailed us just to say that her fiance was a, a a fan of the show and what happened, and she, you know, she said to us, "I don't even know if there's anything you can do, but he's a big fan of your show, and I I, I want to know what." I can maybe do to help him get back on his feet. And she was saying that he's so disappointed that he, she can't even talk him into really wanting to go to the store and buy cards to replace it. That's and one of the hardest things to do is yeah. to get to like, well, I already spent the money before. I, I don't want to go back and do it again. And ugh. yeah, it just feels bad. Um, the funny part of her email, she goes, all I really know is that the leader of his favorite deck was a goat man <laughs> who gave everyone else presents. So we all knew who that is. Zedru, yeah. yeah, that is a goat man. <laughs> Sounds, by the way, crazy. If you ever just have that sense out of just out of context, a goat man who gave everyone else presents sounds like Lucifer. Like sounds like the freaking demon. <laughs> it's true, actually. It's like, no, it's Zedru, the great hearted. He's a big heart. So speaking of big heart, we reached out to Card Kingdom. Woo! Uh, Card Kingdom is a big magic retailer. They're also a very big store up in your neck of the woods, Jimmy, uh, yes. up in Seattle. Um, and we told them the story and they agreed to donate a hundred dollar gift card to Sarah's fiance. His name is Kevin Perkins to help him start to rebuild his collection. So Kevin, it should be by the time you're hearing this in the mail on the way to you, um, courtesy again of cardkingdom.com and, uh, hopefully that'll help you get back on your feet, man. We hope you can yeah. pick up uh, Zedru and, you know, you so could at get least like if, four of the precons as well. There you go. You could turn one deck into four right there. <laughs> Although I have no idea how much. Other yeah, stuff he was probably taken. had more than that. But you know, it's it was a really nice gesture from Card Kingdom. You know, when we reached out to them, they were very quick to respond and say like, totally. Uh, you know, we'll help this guy out. And also for all of our listeners, there's a promo code Woo-hoo. you can use. It's good until March first. So if you go to cardkingdom.com and you use the promo code Command Zone. All one word. 
uh, you'll receive 5% off any order that includes at least $25 in singles. Hey, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, just free free value right there. Free value. And uh, it's not like it's free value from anywhere. This is Card Kingdom. Yeah, Card you Kingdom know, is great. Card Kingdom is one of those places that I continuously go to on the list with a lot of the big other retailers. You know, I'm I'm liable to order from Card, Card Kingdom, especially if I want this stuff really fast. That's one of the mm-hmm. things that I've noticed about Card Kingdom in general is that they'll get you stuff almost faster than anybody else. Yeah. Um, and I've been to their physical store. They have two physical stores in, in Seattle. And if you ever go up to Seattle, you have to make a point of visiting one of their stores because it's a treat. They're amazing. You walk in, it's like wooden floors, wooden bookshelves, smells like board games. There are board games everywhere. You can just rent board games for free from the front desk and take it into Cafe Mox, which is a cafe built into the store that serves drinks and food and beer and everything. And it's super delicious. And you can just play. It's great. I've hung out with Gavin Verhey there. I've hung out with Marshall Sutcliffe there. It's, it's awesome. Like a lot of these Seattle uh, area players will all go there and play. And they have tons of magic events. Their entire storehouse for their main store is just upstairs. So you can go on the computer and type in stuff and then get your order immediately. It's great. Store is awesome. Cardkingdom.com. Make sure to check them out. You know, they're shown that they've got a big heart, just like said you. Yeah, that's yeah, nice. nice. Good one. Good one. <laughs> um, yeah, so hopefully, Kevin, that helps you out. And then for the listeners, if you guys order some singles, just remember promo code Command Zone, one word. Yeah, it's a it's good until March first. So if you've got some singles that you're looking to need soon, you might mm-hmm. as well get five percent extra off on them. So and you will probably get them by the time we record our live episode, hundredth episode on March twelfth. Don't forget to mark that down as well, guys. <laughs> Your calendars are just going to be all full of Command Zone stuff. Yeah, that's what mine well, looks like sometimes. Well, well, two things. Yeah. Well, yeah, ours has every, okay. Um, <laughs> On to the na- main topic, EDH stories, tall tales. Tall tales. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Uh, fun stuff. It's true. We don't really talk about our games so much. We talk about situations a lot. Occasionally we'll mention like, oh, this happened, and then as a response, this happened. Sometimes episodes will be based off of an event that happened. Um, but we don't – I mean, Commander's a fun game, and sometimes we get broiled up in the uh, – I guess some people call it the, Yeah, the smaller details of it. Um, I think uh, – when we had the article published on uh, the mothership talking about favorite podcasts, it was great. It was sort of like, these guys are a bit spiky, but I can't stop listening to them. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, thanks. This one's for you, uh, Bruce Richard. Yeah, Bruce. Is it Bruce Richard or Bruce Richard? Bruce Richard. That, that's like the French version of his name. Yeah, I, it seems like it should be Bruce Richard. But also, if you have two, um, have you noticed that like all superheroes have just two first names as their name? Oh, yeah, that's you right. You know, Bruce Wayne, Peter Parker, huh. you know, it's, it's just like a thing that... So, anyway. I like it. So, he's either Bruce Richard, the non-superhero, or Bruce Richard, the superhero. He's I think he would prefer... Bruce Richard. Yeah, I mean, superhero. It's also pretty sweet. I love the, the double first name. <laughs> Neither uh, of us have it, unfortunately. Well, uh, I guess Lee kind of counts. But, I, yeah, not really. <laughs> um, yeah, going back to the story thing... You know, one of the fun things about EDH, one of maybe the most fun things, is you 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 list out all the cards and you put them in front of you and you cut them and you make your deck and you have all these ideas of how I'm going to get this card and this card together and then when I get this third card, this crazy thing will happen. And then what's awesome is you get these cards and you're like, holy cow, I never even thought of this, but this is about to happen. Oh, right, yeah. You know, and a lot of my favorite stories 
come from those moments, the moments where I didn't even think about those two cards. You know, this card's supposed to work with this other one, and this other card's supposed to work with this other one. But then all of a sudden, I got them both in my hand, and I'm like, wait a minute, this crazy thing will happen. I didn't even think about it until this moment. That's true, and I think you actually build your decks to have that happen more often than not. Sort of the, uh, the oh gosh, have I gone infinite question? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's funny because most of both of us, I'm looking at the stories, um, don't really have to do with going infinite. Or, in fact, I think almost all of my stories, maybe one, aren't even about winning the game. Yeah, none of mine are about winning the game, actually. <laughs> Which is funny because when you tell stories about EDH and magic in general, it's often like that. You'd think mm-hmm. you'd tell the story, and then I double-striked my guy, put Eldrazi Constriction, swung and killed him. But you don't tell that story. You tell the story of like... And then I played this, and then I played this, and then this happened, yeah. and it's like, and then what? Oh, I don't even remember who won. Like yeah. that's yeah, th- but that's cool. That's just that cool thing that happened. Right. I mean, we build our decks so that we can have fun playing them, not necessarily winning. I mean, I, someone that plays like a Feldegriff deck isn't looking to win necessarily, but just have fun and see what kind of interactions happen around the table. Uh, I think it's great whenever you play your. Um, Chromat deck because everyone's drawing a billion cards and the potential for like an EDH story to erupt from that is way higher because once you give everyone all the possibilities in their hands, then well, anything's possible. Anything's possible. All right. All right. Start um, off with one. Sure. So I'm going to set the stage. Set it. This story takes place at Comic Con oh. 2014. I believe it was 2014. Yeah, 2014. So this was the year that conspiracy came out in fact we had just started the podcast yep and we had gavin verhey as a guest yeah so this was the night before we recorded that that episode with gavin i think gavin ended up being on like episode nine but we actually recorded it before we even released any episodes i think or no no i think we'd release like three or four episodes yeah we were just in with our conspiracy set review yeah and gavin was supposed to be like our big we got a wizards of the coast person and he was going to talk a little bit of, about cons of tarkir which was not out yet yeah it was actually being announced and talked about at that comic con and then what happened is we interviewed him about cons of tarkir and wizards found out and they were like we got to listen to the podcast before and okay it before it can go out and we're like okay well gavin was like i got to make sure they yeah yeah first and it was like yeah of course absolutely so we gave it to wizards and then they just didn't check it for like a few weeks so by the time it came out none of the information was cool or or everybody knew everything it was still pretty cool it was cool. still cool we had gavin but i'm just saying like we were like yeah not that he gave anything away but we were anyway it was so, exciting to have gavin on at the end of the day but we just wish we could have released it a little more timely yeah so anyway um we were at comic-con waiting in line for the black uh, foil Planeswalker card. So if you don't know, um, every year at Comic-Con, uh, Hasbro has a booth inside the convention center. And they have a limited amount of a special kind of magic card. And it's always a, a cycle of Planeswalkers, but they're in black foil. So the... It looks so cool. It looks very cool. So if you've probably seen these cards, they're just all black. And they just have these this nice little foiling to them. You really have to look at them if you actually want to read them. Yeah. Uh, the value is very high. They sell out very fast. Um, so we're actually waiting in line overnight. So you have to wait in line with another 10,000 people who aren't necessarily all buying stuff from the Hasbro booth, but that the lines combined for all the retailers. Mm-hmm. And so we were there with a bunch of friends, and Jimmy and I had the great idea to bring a table Woo-hoo. with and, and, and some lanterns. We and some boxes of conspiracy. Since, We've set a trend. Yep. And draft. Like, if we're going to be sitting in line all night, 
we're going to draft conspiracy. So we were there with that. And we also played games of EDH. So here I am. I'm in a game with, I know Craig was in the game. Probably Kessler. Kessler might've been there or maybe Gavin. I don't think I was. No, I think you were in the game to the right. Anyway, I know Craig was there because he's sitting directly to my left. And I remember this affected him. Um, <laughs> so somehow during the course of the game, I get in my hand uh, memory jar, cyclonic rift, and brainstorm. So what I decide to do is let me let me read memory jar because it's the card that maybe people are the most likely to not know what it does. So memory jar is an artifact. It costs five. You can tap and sacrifice the memory jar, and then each player exiles all the cards from their hand face down and then draws seven cards. And then at the beginning of the next end step, each player discards those seven cards they drew and then returns the hand that they used to have. So you sort of take your hand, set it aside, draw seven more just until the next end step. Mm -hmm. It's a good card because it basically draws you seven cards, but it only draws everybody else their instance and whatever mana they've got available because you're going to do it at a time when, you know, during your main phase maybe. Yeah. And so I play out Memory Jar, and then when my turn comes back around, remember I have Cyclonic Rift and Brainstorm. <laughs> so what I do is I activate the Memory Jar, and in response I brainstorm the Cyclonic Rift onto Ooh. the top of my library. Very nice. So now I put my hand aside, and I make sure I'm going to draw the Cyclonic Rift. And now when I overload the Cyclonic Rift, it bounces all my opponent's permanent non-land permanents back to their hand. But don't forget, Memory Jar says at the end of turn, you're going to discard your hand and draw your old card. So every oh my so all their non-land permanents went to their hand. And then on my end step, they had to discard them all. That is brutal. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It was a, sort of a nice confluence of events, right, to have the brainstorm like to set it up. It's like a board wipe for everything but you. Yeah, exactly. Most every single permanent is, yeah, every non-land permanent. Holy crap. Yeah, it was. I remember you, I just. You, you had to have won that game. Yeah, I did win that game. Okay. I just remember Craig being like, yeah. and then I was like, uh, and okay, and then I was like, pass turn. Oh, you have to discard all the cards <laughs> in your hand. And they were like, what? Uh. So that's that was, that's amazing. That was a good feeling. And it, the fact that it happened in line at Comic-Con. <laughs> that's a wombo combo that you should just always have. I mean, it's so hard to go. set it up, though, right? Yeah, it's true. I mean, other times you can just hope that you draw. A cyclonic rift with your memory jar or a, a, something that like an upheaval type effect bounces yeah. everything to their hands yeah it's true uh, memory jar you just often don't want it to sit there for too long because if somebody destroys it there's yeah. not a lot you know you usually want to use it pretty quickly yeah you'll find that storm deck's actually like a card like this as yeah because well. you play a bunch of cards then activate it Get draw seven new cards. ones play those cards yeah. yeah refilling your hand is very important in uh, sort of like the legacy cube storm decks um, my first story is one that I tell often on the show, but don't actually it's talk about... It's sort of infamous. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because there's more parts to this that I haven't really discussed before, and it's the, the story of the everlasting Cryptic Command. <laughs> uh, the Cryptic Command that could, that got cast about eight times in a game where it should have only been cast once. I was playing, I think, with uh, our friend Daniel D. and Matt Arnold. I don't know if I was playing with you. I wasn't there. I only heard about this story secondhand. And it may, was... Craig may have been there as well, but this is back when I, neither of those two guys play anymore. Maybe I cryptic commanded them out of EDH entirely. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. Actually, D. is uh, one, of the, one of the first people to introduce me to the game as well. Um, but I got a cryptic command, and I'm like, this is the best counterspell ever made. 
I was playing, I believe, my Jaleva, my hell of a deck. And um, at one point, uh, D likes a lot of creature-based decks, and a lot of them are just, you know, they'll swing with 80 zombies and just kill mm-hmm. you with 80 tutus. And uh, he kept looking at me. I'm like, I have cryptic command. I'm going to tell you this. And if you go to attack me, like, I'm going to tap it all down or I'm just going to, you know. Basically, you do the thing where before he goes to combat, you go, hold on, who are you going to attack? Yeah. And if he said you, you could tap them all down. But the thing is, at the time, I didn't realize the rules clarification that someone could. I, we were sort of playing it loosely where someone would go like, all right, this combat, I'm going to swing at you. We yeah. wouldn't even say combat. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to swing at you. And then you'd be like, hold on. I'm going to tap all your guys down. Uh, <laughs> technically, you're supposed because, you know, you you have to go through the phases and pass the priority around. You would have to do it before the attackers are declared. So you don't really know who they're going to attack. You're just right. sort of basing it on their promise to you. But, but was, you can use that sort of honor equity, right? People yeah. will rarely just boldface lie to you. And if they do, then from then on, you can sort of never trust them. You, yeah, exactly. They really set themselves back if they do that. So I did this to him, and he was like, okay, fine. I just don't swing at anyone. And he passed the turn to the next person, who also had a lot of creatures. And this just continued around the table <laughs> multiple times. And every time when they went to combat, I'd be like, I will, I'll tap them all down. Like, you just waste a turn, and then everyone can kill you. So everyone was like, Okay, fine, I won't attack. <laughs> and I somehow prolonged my life in a deck that doesn't play any creatures whatsoever, all thanks to Cryptic Command. And I essentially, I did it, I don't know, six times or something until someone finally realized that you just have to force me to use it. And then at that point... And then it's open season, yeah. It's open season, yeah. Uh, but no one, I think... We were all pretty new to the game at that point. At least I was, and Matt was as well, that we were all just like, oh, this is total BS. Fine, Jimmy, do it. Fine. I won't swing at you. Fine. I remember, because at that time I was working at Rocket Jump, and I remember coming in the next day, and Matt was like, first thing was like, come here. I got to tell you something. And he like laid out the hole. He's like, and then nobody would attack him. And I was like, just attack him because it'll make him use it every time that you don't attack. Then he basically got to use it for free, and he was like so upset even the next day. It was beautiful. And the, the reason that that story is great is because it set a precedent and the next time we played, I had Cryptic Command Man, but did not have Cryptic Command. <laughs> I managed to do it again like two more times and two more rotations. And people got so upset. Finally, someone was like, okay, you guys won't do it. I will. And by that point, I'd actually drawn it. <laughs> and so I tapped all their stuff down, and they were furious. And they didn't know that I just boldface lied to them for two turns saying I had it and I would do it again. <laughs> so that was like the biggest risk I think I've ever taken in EDH. Because if I had been called out on that bluff and shown that I didn't have it, it'd be like our, our skit, our kitchen table fable. Yeah, exactly. Prof. And then no one would trust you ever again. Yeah, exactly. Look at you, tricky. Yeah, it's funny how in playgroups, those type of stories, because that story is sort of like, it's like a myth in our playgroup, right? Yeah. And so it's also a lesson that our entire playgroup has learned from that those one instance. So that type of thing doesn't work as good as maybe it used to because that story grew to be, you know, yeah. sort of a legend. And those moments are good in your playgroup because they'll teach the entire playgroup like, yeah, you got to you got to make them use it. Otherwise, you know, you're just a slave to it for the rest of the game for yeah. free. Now, if you're conniving you can also have that be to your benefit for You're sure like, oh great this guy's holding the whole table down everyone's just focusing on that i'm just gonna keep doing my thing and yep i don't really i'll care. be not threatening over here he's the bad guy yeah exactly i was the bad guy in that case <laughs> pretty funny um okay my next one involves joira and suspending things so if you don't know what happens is joira can give any card suspend or any permanent or no any spell suspend any spell, yeah. uh and you basically activate her ability 
and then you exile the card with four suspend counters on it. And then during your upkeep, you remove a, one of the suspend counters. And once it has zero, you cast it. And if it's a creature, it has haste. Uh, so Jorio decks generally want to play a lot of really expensive cards because you're going to get them for the same price no matter what. You're going to get them in four turns, basically. And also, mm-hmm. you play a lot of things that sort of give you extra upkeeps or take suspend counters off. So you, get, you sort of get the stuff faster than the four turns anyway. Um so we were playing with, I believe it was Kessler. And, no, no, it was Craig and Josh Kim and somebody else. Oh, this happened recently. Yeah, and I had in suspend, I had It That Betrays, which is a 12-drop Eldrazi. It has Annihilator 2, which is not key to the story. But it also says, whenever an opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent, put that card onto the battlefield under your control. So if anybody else sacrifices anything that's not a token, any permanent, you basically get that. Nice. Yeah, it's similar to Grave Betrayal, kind of, where it's like, if that thing goes away, then you get it. In this case, it's very specifically sacrificed, and that's it pairs well with Annihilator. Correct. Uh, yeah, because when you attack, they have to sacrifice things. That's what Annihilator says, and then you get that stuff. And then I also suspended Destructive Force, which is a red sorcery. It costs five and two red, and it says each player sacrifices five lands... And then Destructive Force deals five damage to each creature. Is this meant specifically to pair with It That Betrays? It is. It's also just like Joyra likes land destruction because you suspend like seven things. And then you have a land destruction thing come out. But your suspend stuff is still just sitting there as Taking Time Bomb that's just going to like come out eventually. So it, it, it works really well. But what happened is I suspended those two things and then... When two things come off suspend at the same time, so if your upkeep happens and then you have two cards with one suspend counter on them, they'll both go to zero and then you get to stack them and they come out in the order that you want. So I had It That Betrays enter the battlefield and then Destructive Force resolved, making everybody sack five lands and then dealing five damage to each creature. Uh, It That Betrays is a 11-11, so it doesn't care about taking five damage. And then they all had to sack five lands but i get five lands from each of them i had to sack five lands too so at the end of it i actually have like more lands than i started with you know i start net 15 lands or something yeah exactly i have start with eight i've sacked five i'm at three but then i'm now i have 18 lands and they all have like two lands each so that was like a cool and everybody's just like you won that game i did not win this game what you had 18 lands (laughs) i had 18 lands i mean they don't tap for the mana you want them to but yeah, no, it uh somebody got managed to get rid of it that betrays and then um I just didn't draw business and then you know of course everyone's mad at me so they ganged up on me from that uh, point. Yeah, absolutely. And um oh Andy Belford was in the game, our friend that works at Riot, and he was playing Zedru, coincidentally, uh-huh. and he gave me that enchantment that when it leaves the battlefield deals twenty damage to you. <laughs> so you got right So a lot of things happened when he did that because First of all, I need he gave it to me and I was like I need to kill him first. Like at that point he was the biggest threat, but mm-hmm. I couldn't cuz as soon as I killed him I would right. die cuz I was at 16 life. Even though everybody else only had two or three lands. The enchantment would leave the battlefield. So if I killed game. him, the enchantment would leave the battlefield and it would kill me. And then the other, you know, so then I, it, it was like, "Oh, I can't go after the main threat." And then you know, somebody else had like eventually what happened is he oblivion ringed his own enchantment to kill to do the wow, 20, 20 damage to me. Yeah, so that was just like, well, too bad, Josh. Blowing up everyone's lands and taking them, and you died. And I died, but it was pretty cool. Still. That is pretty cool. I, I love 
I love that that betrays. I wish I could play the more decks because I think it's just it's, it's awesome. Hilarious. It just yeah. Costs twelve mana, so it's hard to exactly. Um, my next story is from one. I think the first time I ever played EDH. Oh really? Yeah. Um, I call it the ooze that could. Uh, I was playing again at my friend D's house, Daniel, and he had a few decks, and um, I forget who else was there, but it was him. Um, uh his girlfriend at the time and a couple, maybe one other person. And they were about to sit down and play EDH. And I was just over there and he said, Hey, I'll give you a deck. You know how to play magic, right? I'm like, yeah, I remember. I hadn't played since, you know, since I was like eight. So this is the moment that hooked you. This, this is the whole this reason this of, podcast exists. This is one of the first initial moments there is like, there's, there are four or five and I'll, I'll mention another one of the moments in another story tonight. Uh, but yeah, this is like one of the first things that got me going like, whoa this is kind of crazy i like it and uh he gave me a deck i think it was sigarda so it was a voltron deck and he had predator ooze in the deck and predator ooze is a uh, a one one creature ooze that costs green 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 and it says predator ooze is indestructible and whenever predator ooze attacks put a plus one plus one counter on it whenever a creature dealt damage by predator ooze dies this turn put a plus one plus one counter on predator ooze so it's just this indestructible one one that just grows and grows and keeps attacking and it's a really fun card, um, especially in the Voltron deck, because it's just another target for all your equipment. And uh, I I think I just didn't cast a guard of that game because I had Predators on the battlefield. I'm like, man, this thing is crazy, indestructible. Nothing can kill it. So I had Sword of Cauldra. I had <laughs> uh, Moon Silver Spear. I had a bunch of equipments. At one point, this Predator Ooze was like a 9-9, like just crazy, indestructible, swinging in every turn and just forcing people to chump block and i was like this is great i love the uh, to me i was just laughing out loud and everyone else was that there's just this ooze just slowly consuming everything consuming and everything yeah but also not really able to hold equipment just having like a sword sticking out of its side and just <laughs> wildly flailing and slashing at stuff that's a kitchen table fables episode yeah exactly it was just this ridiculous image to me and what ended up happening is it, it died and I was in disbelief because I thought this thing literally couldn't die because it said indestructible and it's one of the first lessons I learned is that if you take its uh, toughness under zero it dies because it got tragic slipped <laughs> uh, and then that was even funnier to me because tragic slip if, if it has morbid so if a creature died this turn it gets uh, you can give a creature minus 13 minus 13 and I think my ooze was just about up to 11 11 or something right about the edge where it couldn't die from a tragic slip and we just love the image again of this ooze with all this stuff. Off. It just slipped and then <laughs> impaled itself somehow, or it was like taking a bath or something silly and just died. Um, so that was like one of the first memories I have of EDH. One of, the, one of the reasons I love the format, because it just puts crazy situations together and has very funny imagery if you just sit and look at what's happening on the battlefield sometimes. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, Kitchen Table Fables actually has a lot of truth and origins from a lot of what we've done. Yeah, exactly. Just looking around and being like, if that was actually happening in the game world, that'd be crazy. Yeah, it'd be absolutely nuts. Yeah. Um, all right. One more story. Mine, uh, it it started with the have, card burgeoning. Have we mentioned this card on pet cards or anything at all? Burgeoning? Was it on our... Uh, it's in our mana episode? bases episode, I believe. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of expensive, so I don't know if it's really a pet card. Oh, right, right. Um, you know, I think a lot more people would run this if they could afford it. It's not cheap. Uh, so burgeoning is a one green for an enchantment it says whenever an, any opponent plays a land you may choose a land card from your hand and put it into play so in edh very powerful because it scales so well with more players um it's kind of like exploration but better 
because you might play four lands on your first turn. It's actually probably closer to fast bond than it is to burgeoning, and fast bond is Tech, as we yeah, know banned. Yeah, burgeoning's very powerful. Yeah, super super good. Um, it's not for every deck. You need a certain amount of card draw and whatever to take advantage of it. Because a lot of times you'll play a burgeoning and then have three lands in your hand and you'll play them on the first turn. But then it's like, if you don't have anything to use, you'll be a couple turns ahead maybe. Yeah. But if you don't have card draw, you won't, you won't continue to, you know, then you won't play a land because you won't have one in your hand. And so by three turns, you're just where you would have been. Yeah. It's just not as, as significant as a, as a deck that's like blue green. Right. You can just draw a thousand cards and then use... Yeah, when you can draw a lot of cards, then it's just very powerful, especially because it costs one green. So if you play it on turn one, two, or three, people can't afford to just not play lands. Yeah, exactly. So and compare this to a card like Sire of Stagnation. Yes. Where it's like, players will still play lands. Sire of Stagnation, you get to draw cards when someone plays a land. At that point, it's a six drop, too. People are, people will just stop playing land. But for Burgeoning, you play it on turn one. And they'll point. wait because it's a creature, right? So they'll yeah. be... Sire of Stagnation, I mean. So they'll be like... Uh, can you kill it? And you'll be like, yeah. And they'll be like, okay, I'll, I'll just won't play a land this one turn. And then yeah. somebody will kill it. And then they'll play their lands. Whereas burgeoning, it's an enchantment. So it's just way less likely it's going to go anywhere. And also people aren't, do they really want to use their enchantment removal on it? Like, anyway, it's a very good card. So I ha- it starts with this. I played it on my main phase. And then I pass the turn. And then during my opponent's upkeep, I cast Sunder. So Sunder is just, in, it's a uh, blue instant. It's three and two blue, and it says return all lands to to their owner's hand. So every it's sort of like the blue version of Armageddon, except for that you don't destroy the lands. They just go back to their, mm-hmm. their hand. So what happens with burgeoning, and the reason I played it on my opponent's upkeep is I didn't want to have a bunch of cards in my hand that I have to discard during my discard phase. So when I wait till my opponent's upkeep, and also he hasn't played a land yet this turn, so now he goes, okay, plays a land, I play a land. He can't do anything, pass turn. Next player plays a land. I play a land. Next player plays a land. I play a land. Next player plays a land. I play a land. Comes back to my turn. I got six lands in play. Yeah, pretty good. They all got one. Yeah. I did not win this game. <laughs> How does that happen? <laughs> the funny thing is, because it, do- it only got rid of lands, you know, some people still had some permanence oh, and some right. other things. Yeah, and they were able to get back. And, of course, like with It That Betrays, it makes everybody turn to you and be like, well, screw that guy. Yeah. Because also, when you do Sunder, they all have to discard. Because they're all holding like eight or nine lands plus their hand. Mm -hmm. And because they can only play one land, they can't really play any cards out of their hand. And now they have to discard like seven or eight cards. Everyone's mad at you. But it was pretty cool. Again, not something I thought of as a use for burgeoning because you usually think of like play it on turn one or two, then just play out a lot of extra lands. You don't think of like, I'm going to bounce everybody's lands and then use that to get the advantage. Pretty interesting. I liked it. I like it, too. I love burgeoning. That card's very, very crazy. Sunder, people. Take a look at it. That card is really good. It's basically mass land destruction. Yeah, it is, but it doesn't have the same stigma, right? Because it doesn't yeah. actually destroy them. Yeah, when people have it in their hands, they're like, well, I guess I can just play it again. And it doesn't... Hard. You know, Armageddon, a lot of times you play Armageddon, if they don't have any lands in their hand, they might not even be able to play a land the next turn. At least yeah. this way, they're like, okay. Sunder's I also can at least see in my Yeah, I can at least see in my hand how to get back into it. Yeah. Okay, my third story. Uh, this one is, this one is sad and totally on me. Um, <laughs> so we are playing uh, secret uh, partners. Secret partners, right? And there's a lone wolf, and what that means is that uh, out of the five players, two of them are face up and know that they're playing against each other. Two of them are face down and know that they're on the teammate. They're teammates with one of the face up people, 
and there's one person that's a lone wolf that knows that it's up to them to be the last person saying to win the game. I looked at my card. I was like, I'm the lone wolf. I put it back down. It's like, sweet. I'm going to play this super politically. I'm going to find one of the teammates that is, uh, that is face up, and I'm just going to very obviously, but not super obviously, declare that I'm on the same team as them. That way, the other teammate that's face down won't necessarily be like, wait, hold on, that person's not their teammate because I know I'm their teammate. They'll think more, okay, fine, that person's a lone wolf or whatever, but I won't do anything to disrupt this because it essentially means that it's 3v2. Right. And then we'll find a way to ice them because then they'll be 2v1 when it comes down to it. So like, great, it's perfect. I'll, and then I'll find a way to just ice that person. And uh, I believe the face-up person was Andy. And I was like, sweet, Andy, I'm your teammate. I'm just, I'm going to show it to you in different ways across the game. And, uh, and Craig was the actual person that was Andy's teammate. <laughs> and Craig was just looking very confused the whole time because of what I was doing. And not, I don't think Craig fully understood what was going on because what ended up happening is after 40 minutes of intense gameplay, I was like, sweet, I'm going to win this whole game. Craig comes out and murders both of us because it turns out I read my card incorrectly. I was Andy's teammate the whole time, <laughs> and I'd just been giving Craig the lone wolf a free pass because he figured out what I was trying to do and just jumped ship and did my strategy against me and ended up winning the whole game. So you were actually thought you weren't on Andy's team but were but on Andy's team? I was, team? and by the end I started doing things that, that – totally started screwing Andy, Andy over. Yeah, because I was like, I'm going to win now, so I have to beat both of you guys. And I just ended up totally screwing myself because I, I looked at my card, and it was I think there was supposed to be, like, if it was a, a planes and it matched the color, because sometimes we do matching colors of right. cards, and I, I just didn't get the memo on what the split was. Or you just glance at it, and it looks like a white yeah, card, but it's actually I, a blue card. I turned card. very red when I flipped over my card. I was just like, I'm, I, <laughs> I was like, I was trying to do something, guys, and I messed up. I didn't, I didn't admit to them at the time that I just completely completely 100% did yeah. not know what I was doing. I would just be like, dang, lost that one, and then never speak of it. <laughs> I would never have revealed. Yeah. move on immediately. <laughs> I guess Craig would have been like, why were you attacking your partner? Yeah, Craig had this the look on his face, which he does when he, he knows he got away with something. He was just like, kind of like, hey, 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 with that <laughs> like, devilish grin. I was like, god dang it. <laughs> I really, really screwed the pooch on that one. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, I was not there for that one. No, I, I'm glad you're not because I would never have lived that down. <laughs> oh, it was awful. Ugh. All right, well, those, that's going to do our tile tales for this time. Let us know what, how you like this format because obviously we could do this from time to time, uh, not something we normally do. And time for to the listeners. Oh yeah, what's your favorite EDH story? And this will probably be easier for you to tell us on a YouTube comment uh, as opposed to Twitter or on rocketjump.com slash the command zone or by emailing us at commandcast at rocketjump.com. Yeah, and, and if you can tweet it, that's fine too. Yeah, if you can find a way to to like emoji it out and get it under 140 characters, like I'll be impressed. You. Yeah, very impressed. Actually, I just thought of another one. Do it. Notion Thief. Alex Kessler played oh, Notion yeah. Thief once. I remember this. And then someone else had Consecrated Sphinx out. And Notion and Thief reads... Him. Uh, I think he actually flashed it out in response to someone drawing cards off Consecrated Sphinx and didn't realize it. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. We were like, wait a minute. Because Notion Thief reads, it's a creature. It says, if an opponent would draw a card except for the first one he or she draws in each of his or her draw steps, instead that player skips that draw and you draw a card. And Consecrated Sphinx says, whenever an opponent draws a card, you may draw two cards. So it's just an immediate infinite loop where as long as the Consecrated Sphinx player goes, oh yeah, every time they draw a card, I'm going to try and draw two cards. 
the notion thief player immediately mills themselves out. Yeah, because the notion thief goes, oh, you're about to draw a card? You don't. I draw two cards. And yeah. the consecrative sphinx player goes, okay, well then, because you drew two cards, I'll draw four, four cards. cards. And then the notion thief is not a may ability. It says, oh, well, then I draw four cards. And the consecrative sphinx player goes, oh, you draw four? I'm going to draw eight. I'm going to try to draw eight. Yeah. yeah. And then the notion <laughs> Thief player goes, no, because I take those and I draw eight. And then they just mill themselves out. Yeah. yeah. And Kessler was like, oh, sweet. I'm going to use this notion thief to draw extra cards off you. And yeah. you don't get to draw them instead. And then he almost immediately after went, okay, I'm going to take that card out of all my decks now. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me. Okay. I've got another one of we were in. This was at GP Vegas. Actually, the notion thief was that at GP Vegas too? No, I think that was at uh, Kessler's old office. Okay. Uh, we were at GP Vegas. And I don't remember. I think we were playing with, oh, man. Hayden Bullis, maybe, maybe Eves. Okay. One, anyway. Um, sorry if it wasn't you guys or, or for somebody else. I forget. But you got a consecrated sphinx out, and somebody else got a consecrated sphinx out. Oh yeah. And you guys looked at each other with these huge smiles, and we're like, "You want to draw?" And they're like, <laughs> "Yeah, I'll draw." And then you guys are just like, drew forty cards each or something. You know, you had these huge hands, and your deck only had like thirty cards left, and you guys are just giggling, and you're like, "You want to draw more?" And he was like, "No, nah, I'm good." And you're like, "Hold on, Drew, I'll draw a couple more." Okay, I'm good. And then I believe it was me actually. I think I was playing a dragon deck, or this happened twice at GP Vegas. That could very much have happened as well. Yeah, and then I go, but everybody was tapped out, and it went to my turn, and I go molten psyche. Oh yeah, I was <laughs> and never just that. killed you both. <laughs> that is hilarious. Molten psyche, by the way, it just says this deals. Each player shuffles the cards from his or her hand into their library, and then you draw that many cards. And then if you have metalcraft, which is you have at least three artifacts they take damage for each card they've drawn this turn. Yeah. So, yeah. That's brutal. Took like 50 damage each. And I was like, you guys just flew too close to the sun. Hey, but you know, if you're going to fly, you may as well fly really <laughs> close to the sun. Yeah, exactly. As the red player of the group. Uh, that's great. That reminded me of another one at GP Vegas. I was playing with the Rev and a couple of our players. I forgot who they are. I'm so sorry if um forgot your name. But I flipped over Felden and uh, the Rev flipped over Zirlin of the Claw. And then the two other players also flipped over Mono Red Commanders. So it was just four, four mono, mono red. red players going against each <laughs> That's other. That's like your dream. It was my dream, and I didn't win, but I was like, I'm never having my enchantments removed ever. <laughs> uh, I think one got chaos warped. <laughs> was it Blood Moon? Probably not. No, yeah, right? Blood Moon is just the worst card in that matchup. <laughs> but yeah, that was a lot of fun. GP Vegas is actually the source of a lot of really fun stories. Yeah, GP Vegas is awesome. Yeah, I can't wait for the next one. All right, time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Do you have anything? Yeah, actually, uh, there's a book that came out. Um, it is a Del Rey book. It's I talked about, long ago, I talked about this series, and this is the third book in the series. It's called Morning Star mm. that I've been enjoying. And the first two books are called Red Rising and Golden Sun. Right. And uh, we You've talked given about, these away, actually. Yeah, we gave Red Rising away. So Morning Star is the third book in the series. Uh, I really enjoy the series. It's kind of like Ender's Game meets Hunger Games meets... Harry Potter meets Battlestar Galactica oh, I love Battlestar. meets blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, yep. So that's a book that I've been reading. If you like sort of sci-fi, it, Ender's Game is one of my favorite uh, books of all time. The movie was horrible, but the book's, oh, yeah, but the book's so great. Um, so it's just right in my wheelhouse. Uh, anyway, I would highly recommend the series. Start with Red Rising. And if you've already read the other two and you didn't know, the third book is out. Morningstar. Cool. Check it out. Speaking of Harry Potter, there's another Harry Potter book coming out. Oh, yeah. It's called Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. I mean, we all knew this was going to happen, right? Harry Potter and the Cash Grab. Like, at some <laughs> point, they were going to drive a truck full of money up to J.K. Rowling's house. A truck? 
We're talking like cruise ship. Yeah. Well, they drove a truck and she goes, no. And then they drove two trucks and she said, no. And then they were like, how about this cruise ship full? And then she was like, can we invite you down to the harbor, Miss Rowling? She's like, I live on this island I own. (laughs) Sure. And it was surrounded by cruise ships loaded with the euro. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, okay. All right. Fine. She's like, all right. Um, That's my British accent. All right. My Scottish is slightly better. I will write Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Well, and there's that movie, the... Uh... Yes, uh, Fantastical Beasts and Where to Find Them with yeah. Eddie Redmayne. Uh, yeah, I'm actually, it's actually a play as well. It's a play? Yeah, I think it started as a play maybe, and then J.K. It was like based on the story, and then J.K. Rowling made it. It was just like, all right, I'll write a book. I might as well. I might as well make another billion. I might as well. I might as well. Why not? Uh, yeah, don't be offended by our awesome accents, guys, please. I, don't I mean, know. it's not our Scottish. Our I grew up on uh, I grew up on Harry Potter. The favorite part about this, though, is uh, they said, like, don't worry, we're going to re- digitally release the book the same time that's physically released, so you don't need to, uh, you know, go camp out at the bookstore if you don't want to and then mm-hmm. have someone scream, Snape kills Dumbledore or whatever. <laughs> yes. Have you seen that video? Yes. It's like, that's like OG internet. <laughs> that, yeah, that was very early on in sort of the uh, viral phenomenon, as yeah. it were. Um it's great. You know what's great? I always take away from that is like people were hopefully still are and were willing to wait in line all night for a book. Yeah. A book. That's Sweet. awesome. That means J.K. Rowling is my hero because. Yeah, you did something good there. Yeah. So enjoy your cruise ship full of money. I would like to take a cruise on it at some point. I don't care that the pools are filled with money. Speaking of money. Our good friends over at our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern, have started a Patreon. Oh, yes. So, I was like, what are we going to go with that? I was like, are they their money? I was like, right, Patreon. Money. Money. Get back. Um, doom, 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 doom. I think this song we've also done before. Man, we're starting to repeat songs left and right. We're like old fogies that can't remember what they've done in the past. Well, hopping. Did I tell you that story where I held up Cryptic Command once? (laughs) Have I told that one before? All right, sorry. Uh, Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman, the masters of modern. It is modern season is in full effect. The modern pro tour just happened. It was awesome. Um, Eldrazi took over the world, everything. Uh, One of the guys from our local store, Andrew Brown, was in the top eight of uh, PT Oath of the Gatewatch. I've actually beat Andrew in a PT nice. in a PTQ once, and then I lost to him in top eight. Um, forget that second part of the story. Uh, so Alex and Ben are just loving it right now. It's like the perfect season for them. All things modern. Everybody's talking about modern. There's the modern gauntlet on uh, on Magic Online, which I yeah. tried out, and that's super fun. So go to at the MM cast or go to rocketjump.com slash podcast, and you'll find them right next to us. Uh, they talk about modern as a format. They talk a lot about competitive magic. They, like I said, they have a Patreon, so if you are a listener of their show, we would encourage you to go give them your support. Yeah, and Kessler was on the show last week and very correctly called that Eldrazi Mimic was going to be one of the breakout stars of the Modern Pro Tour. Well, that reminds me. i got to go sell all my Eldrazi Mimics. You, if you look in that box right there, I've got a lot How of Eldrazi. Have? I have like six. Nice. I opened a lot of packs, and I was like, when at first I was like, another Mimic? Yeah, exactly. And now that's I'm like, I'm, another Mimic! That's the thing, because Elle and I have been cracking packs uh, to find Expeditions, and that's how I was too. I was like, ah, mimics. These mimics are gonna be are they're, they're worthless. They bring the bulk thing. And then after the modern pro tour, I was like, where are all those mimics? Yeah, yeah I think I'm I was ready 17. to move my goblin dark dwellers out of their bulk area as well. Please, somebody play that card. It's pretty good in standard, I think. But anyway, Kessel was on our podcast last week. You can find their Patreon at patreon.com slash the cast. You can contribute to them for just two dollars a month. It's pretty great. We would encourage you to do it. Yes. 
And our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. Terry might be moving out to L.A. soon. Hopefully we can have some EDH Tall Tale fables with him as well. Be exciting. Oh, yeah, we, we got to get him playing uh, a lot more EDH, and then maybe we can get him on the show. Yeah, that'd be exciting. He and, can edit himself. Oh, boy. That's terrifying. I used to have to do that, and I hated it. Yeah, I do too, actually. Every time I do it, I'm like, God, why do I exist? <laughs> why do I sound so stupid? Everything I'm doing is awful. What's wrong with my voice? Yeah. Uh, and special thanks, of course, to Jeffrey Palmer for the Living Card Animations. You can find him at Living Cards MTG. Now would be a good time to pay tribute to uh, an artist that has passed away recently. Jeffrey has animated some of his cards. Um, Christopher Rush. Christopher Rush, who is the artist behind Lightning Bolt, the original Brainstorm, Black Lotus. Uh, he's the guy that also created all five of the mana symbols. He is the reason that full art lands exist. He told Mark Rosewater about it, that he thought it would be a good idea, and then Mark went and designed the Unhinged set, which I believe was the first appearance of full art lands. So... Christopher Rush, you are an icon. He's been at tons of Grand Prix, signing playmats, uh, being very gracious to uh, fans and signing cards for them. He's just a legend of yeah. the MTG community. Um, created a lot of the most iconic cards. Friends with uh, Richard Garfield back in the day. Yeah, like, very, very, yeah, he, very he sad He goes day. back to the beginning of Magic the Gathering. So Jeffrey has animated um, Black Lotus uh, recently. Um, you can find that at Living Cards MTG. And Jeffrey also did, there was another magic artist that passed away, um, Wayne England, yes. who was the artist for Cryptic Command. And Jeffrey... The whole command cycle, actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, sorry. Cryptic is just the most iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jeffrey did an animation, a very cool animation of Cryptic Command that you can find, again, at um, Living Cards MTG. So we would encourage you to check those out. And um, yeah, it's sad to see those guys go. Yes, rest in peace. Art is one of the main, uh, one of the biggest parts of Magic the Gathering for me. It's the thing that in your mind that it looks like, right? So yeah. when you picture the game in your head, it's that stuff. So. It's the Predator Ooze with all that equipment popping out of it. That image wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the awesome artists that make this game of reality. All right, everybody, on that note, thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans.
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.